Thank you, Francois. Being on. Good. Thank you, Francois, and the eldership team here in AM. We're just five hours apart. It's not that far, you know. <laughs> so it's good to be here. And um, for me, this is such a significant uh, uh, weekend in the calendar of Christianity. And uh, a weekend, like Francis said, that for me, above all, we should be celebrated. You know, it's wonderful that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But I think this is the culmination of Christianity for each one of us as we see the death, we see the burial, and we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to start off by asking you, what is the significance of the empty grave or the empty tomb for you this morning? What is the significance of the empty tomb this morning for you? Maybe you've not thought about it. Because for me, I want to say it's as important as the virgin birth. Like somebody said, the, the entry and the exit. So, uh, so this morning, as, as important the virgin birth is, so the empty tomb is this morning. I want to start off by a little poem. I don't know who the author was, but it says this. If Easter be true then faith must mount, uh, sorry, let me start over. If Easter be not true, then faith must mount on broken wing. Then hope no more, immortal spring. Then love must lose her mighty urge. Life prove a phantom and dirge. If Easter be not true. In other words, if what we celebrate is not true, but hopefully by the end of the sermon, you will see, and as we journey through the Word of God, that you'll see the significance of the empty tomb this week, this morning. So today we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, and we are commemorating the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, from the dead. And death could not hold him. Now let's look at, at Luke and Corinthians, what Luke says, Luke chapter 24, verse 2 to 3. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And 1 Corinthians says this to us. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Say first importance. Do you think this is very important? Hey, Paul says this is of first importance. What I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, which I will show you now in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Okay, so from the beginning, from the beginning to the end, the Bible gives prominence to the resurrection of Jesus. From the beginning to the end. I'll quickly run through these scriptures with you. 
follow me. If you don't get them all and you're taking notes, please come and ask me. I'll give you my notes. Prophesied, it was prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus' resurrection was prophesied in the Old Testament already. Let's look quickly at Luke chapter 24, verse 44 to 45. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law. See, Jesus didn't just come onto the scene in the New Testament in Matthew. Jesus was there from the beginning. The word just became flesh, John tells us, and dwelt amongst us. These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus is the culmination. So when he died on Friday and he said, Tetelestai, it is finished. He fulfilled all of this. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I pray that God will open your minds this morning to understand the scriptures. In the law, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he was and he received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, same as God the Father, what he has done, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did, not, he did receive him back. In other words, he is showing to us, even through the law, in Hebrews, he's telling us that it's pointed to Jesus. Through, through Abraham and what he did, and unwillingly wanted to sacrifice his son. He said he was pointing to Jesus. Okay. The prophets. Matthew chapter 12 verse 40. We see it there. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's in the Psalms. Psalm 16 verse 10. I'm not going to read all the scriptures. Psalm 16. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Go read the whole Psalm 16 and Psalm 2. And Psalm, there's quite a few Psalms that's pointing already to Jesus and His death and His resurrection. It's predicted in the Gospels in Matthew 16 verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. It's also proclaimed by the apostles in Acts chapter 2 verse 32. This Jesus, God raised up and of that we all are witnesses. The apostles are witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. It's in the epistles. 1 Corinthians, uh, you guys can go read 1 Corinthians 15. Please go read it. And 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Let's quickly read that. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then lastly, in the book of Revelation, something that I read this morning as well. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, it says, And the living one, he's the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys 
of death and hell, death and Hades. We know how the story ends. <laughs> so we see it all through the Bible, the resurrection. The empty tomb is an integral wo integrally woven into the fabric of scriptures all the way through. So what is the significance? And this morning, I just want to touch on seven things this morning. Seven things that I believe is very significant why the tomb is empty and vital implications to this resurrection truth. The first thing is, Jesus proved himself everything he claimed to be. Everything that Jesus said on earth, everything that he spoke about and he claimed to be, he proved by the resurrection, by that empty tomb. Jesus said a few times that he will come back from the dead. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always uh, um, amazed at Jesus standing in front of the, the, the highest learned people of the time, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, and he's standing in front of them and he says this to them. He says, I will break down this temple in three days and resurrect it. And they laugh at him and go, that's impossible. Do you know how long Solomon and David took to build that thing? And then he says this to them, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. The very truth, the very life is standing in front of them. The very thing that they are searching in the scriptures, they cannot see. They cannot see. I said to somebody the other thing, I think the biggest indict indictment on Christianity is Palm Sunday. We worship Jesus. We lift up palms and we wave and then Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And a few days later, we crucify him. I preached on Friday on I am Barabbas. My sin shouted louder for Barabbas to be released. On that Friday, my sin shouted louder because it wanted Jesus to be crucified. And it needed Jesus to be crucified. So everything that he claimed to be, that's what he did. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That by rising, He declared to be the Son of God. Not just the Son, the Son of God with power. We serve a powerful God, an almighty God. And He proved that because death, could not hold him. And that for, my, for me and for you, my friends, it takes the sting out of death. I don't have to fear death because of what Jesus has already done for me. Years ago as a young man, as a young Christian, I feared death. Who fears death here? Who fears death? Who's afraid of death? Who's afraid of death? I want to say to you this morning that Jesus wants to deliver you from that fear. Jesus wants to deliver you from that fear this morning that you need not fear death ever in your life. 
As a young man, I used to fear death. What will, I, what will happen to my family? What, what will, just that one last moment. What, what will happen to them? And Jesus said, you know, foxes have holes. All of these things, you can, the dead will bury the dead. All of these things will happen. Follow me. Just follow me. I am the resurrected life. If you want life and life in abundance, find Jesus. And you need not fear death ever in your life. But that tomb was empty. You see, if, if anyone could find a bone of Jesus in that tomb, Christianity would fall to pieces. But there was nothing. It was empty. It was empty. He is risen. And, and, and the scripture says this in, in Luke chapter 4. He says, as he told you. In other words, in accordance to the way that he spoke to you. Each one, he told you. He's going to do it. And that's why they fell down at his feet and worshipped him. The second thing is, Jesus conquered death. The very thing that I just mentioned now. Jesus conquered death. We can all be certain that death claims all. I think the two most important things that will, will come to every single person in this life is death and taxes. Okay. <laughs> can I say this? No one gets out of alive out of this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no one. Unless you are privileged to just be translated and taken up into heaven. <laughs> Which I'm praying for, Lord. Lord, just take me. Just, just take me. I just want to go. We can all be certain that death claims all. It's not a respecter. Death is not a respecter of persons. But Christ abolished the power of death. 2 Timothy Chapter 1 verse 10 says this, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus, or Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus brought immortality in. We will all live forever. You can choose where you're going to spend it on this side of eternity. You can make the decision now. Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. He is risen. Though death may come to us as believers, its sting has been removed. The third thing is, Jesus has the power to raise others. Because of the resurrection, Jesus has power to raise others. Look what happened in Matthew chapter 27, verse 52 and 53. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints. I mean, this is zombie apocalypse stuff. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. The Bible says as many as 500 witnesses. I have read Josephus. Who's heard of Josephus? He's quite a big historian. And he writes that there were guys 
in different parts. And years later, they wrote about this incident that it happened. I mean, imagine your grandmother is dead for like six years. And all of a sudden, she knocks on your front door. You squint more. I'm back. May I always say pocket tacky? I'm running. I'm out of there. Back door out. I'm gone. Do we believe the word of God? It's there. Many. says many. They went and I appeared to many in the holy city. Because of the empty tomb, there were other empty tombs. And this morning, you can also have that empty tomb. You too can come out of death into life. Let the Holy Spirit this morning come and roll away the stone in front of your grave. And come out. Like he called Lazarus and said, come out Lazarus. Some of us are going to come out with grave clothes, stinky. But you know what? He's going to unwrap you this morning and you're going to be alive. <laughs> it must have been a great shock. This is a picture of what Christ will do for many of us one day. All the graves will one day open. Sinners to be judged and saints to, to get life forevermore. It's going to happen. It's called judgment. Jesus refers often to that day as that dreadful day. It's coming. The disciples lived with that tension constantly. Come Lord Jesus, come. That it might happen. We are looking forward to that day of the ultimate resurrection from the dead. The fourth thing that we see is Jesus' atonement or the pardoning of sins. Through his death. And, and you hear me out, friends. Jesus' life wasn't taken from him. He gave up his life. No man took his body. He gave it as a willing sacrifice. It's called substitutionary death. In other words, he died in your stead. You would have been the one in the middle on that middle cross. But Jesus took that cross. Jesus said, I will die so that you can live. We had a problem. We all have a problem. A big one. And Jesus came to solve that problem. You see what atonement is? Break it up in syllables. At one mint. I'm at one mint with, with God again. I was, I was alienated, the Bible said, from the presence of God. Because of my sin. And Jesus was the bridge. He made us whole. He gave us the way. That's what we prayed this morning and said that we can now boldly, boldly enter into the throne room of grace. But every single person, the Bible says, have fallen short of the glory of God. You can try with all your best efforts and jump as far as you can and feed multitudes. You can do whatever you want to, but it will always fall short of the glory of God. Because it's not your good works, it's your faith. It's not your faith in your faith. 
It's the faith that the Holy Spirit places in you. And then when that faith is in your heart, you can actually come alive and see grace and see Jesus, the bridge. And you can now enter boldly and walk into the presence of the Father. That's beautiful. That's good news. That's the type of stuff that I want to tell everybody about. We are in this little group called Bargain Hunters. We tell everybody when we see a bargain in Mossel Bay. But I want to tell, Steve Corkill is like the number one there, I think. And Stella. (laughs) But I want to start a little group and tell everybody that Jesus is alive, man. That's what I want to do. That's the best. That's an absolute bargain, man. What could I do? Nothing. He did everything. Come on. Sorry that I'm excited about Jesus. Yo, I'm preaching myself happier. My wife says she knows when I get happy. I start to kind of like kick like this. Oh, if you see me kick, then you know. (laughs) You see, Jesus' life was the price that was paid for my redemption and your redemption. Number five. We're moving on. Before we do that, let's quickly read Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Who was delivered up for trespasses. This is what happened to Jesus. He was delivered up for your sins and my sins and raised, the Bible says, for our justification. That's a beautiful word. Justification. It means just as if you've never sinned. That's how you remember it. So justification means he's taken away your sin. And the penalty of that sin. And I want to go as far that grace enables you to say no to sin. It's not just I'm free and now, no, no, no. Now you've got to start walking as a Christian and living as a Christian and say no to sin. Number five, Jesus will be the judge one day. Like death is certain, so judgment is certain. Acts chapter 17 verse 31 says this. Because he has fixed a day, fixed a day, on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. As sure as Jesus was raised from the dead, one day he will judge the quick and the dead. He will will judge each and every single person. Jesus is the righteous judge. Because of the resurrection. Number six. Jesus made the same resurrection power available to you and to me. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this, if the spirit of whom, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the same Holy Spirit. Hey, it's not a, it's not a different spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that quickened his body today in that grave. It's that same spirit that dwells within you and me. Raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. I don't do this alone. I've got the Holy Spirit with me. 
The beautiful name of one, one of the names of the Holy Spirit in Greek is parakletos. It's a runner that comes alongside. He's the one that's running next to you, giving you water and say, you can do it. You can do it. I don't run, so I don't have anybody like that next to me. But I can just imagine those that run, you know. <laughs> I've watched videos of people running. Hey, yeah. yeah, I need somebody to run with that water bottle next to me and give it to me and say, you can do it. That's what he's doing. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 to 20. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us? Oh, how beautiful the language of scripture. Who believe according to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That same power is dwelling within you, the Bible says. Same power is available to you and for me for victory over temptation, strength in times of trouble and adversity. And it's there so that we can grow as Christians and be Christ-like and be holy like He is holy. And the last thing that I want to mention this morning is Jesus gives us hope. Jesus gives us hope. Every single one of us that trust in the Savior, we have hope. Hebrews tells us we have hope as an anchor for our souls. When your soul is troubled, hope is not a position. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus. So if you're in the storm of life, you need to drop anchor. You need to drop anchor and say, Jesus you are the confident, this is what hope is, a confident expectation of better things to come. I'm not seeing temporarily. I have got eyes for eternity. Jonathan Edwards said this, he says, Please Lord, stamp eternity into my eyeballs. So that I don't look at my temporary things and my troubles. Through much tribulation, the Bible says, we will inherit the kingdom. These momentary afflictions is working an eternal weight of glory. So whatever you're going through, oh, my friend, the eternal weight of glory that's awaiting you. No seven brides, no virgins, just Jesus' presence. I don't even need streets of gold. Why do I want to take money with me if I'm going to walk on gold? pavement of gold why would i want any of that because i just want to behold him i just want to look at jesus the glory of jesus and worship him for eternity and say holy 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 that's the song we're going to sing for eternity so learn it this side of eternity it's really easy three words holy 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 beautiful song but all the angels and all the elders are singing that song perpetually for eternity I want you to close your eyes quickly and as I end just another poem in a moment I'm going to call on you for a response but I want to read this to you as you close your eyes and listen how silently the Easter dawn unfolds upon the earth soundless as his hand, omnipotent, 
rolling away the stone before the tomb. See Christ step forth, embodiment of all that cannot be destroyed. The Lord of life, light, truth, and love. Restorer of men's faith and hope. Now is Christ risen from the dead. Rejoice! Let those who worship at an empty tomb bestir themselves. Today, He lives. He loves. Lord, You live. Jesus, You are alive. And You love. Death could not hold You because of Your love for Your people. And Lord, this morning, there might be people here sitting that you love so much. Father, that you've sent your only begotten son to die on a cross. For God so loved this world. For God so loved you. And this morning, I want to tell you about this free gift. You see, like I said, we all have fallen short of God's glory. We all have sinned. We come, we birthed into sin, the Bible says. I am a sinner by nature. But God comes through Jesus and changes your nature. He gives you life. And this morning, if you've not been alive, you've been existing I would want to pray with you. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, Stefan, I understand something has happened this morning or it's been God's been working in my life. Maybe your heart is just beating in your chest right now and your palms are a little bit sweaty. I want to ask you if you say yes this morning to Jesus, the free gift of God. Christ Jesus. And you say this morning, I want to surrender my life to Him and give my life to Him. I know I am a sinner and I need salvation. I need saving. Then I would love you to quickly slip up your hand because I would love to pray with you this morning. This morning is a very significant morning to understand.